0: Tampa Bay Buccaneers just cut their roster down to 53 players today they went from 80 to 53 throughout the course of yesterday and today and I am not alone in this conversation with me today joining me my colleague here on YouTube you know him you love him it's Billy from Owen the Sea Billy how you doing today man
1: I was doing better before the Bucs came out with all their cuts I gotta be honest yeah I was doing yeah. better yeah that's 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 that's, made me feel some type of way that notification by the way was actually the notification of this video of this live stream turn on your notifications everyone see well there you go so look
0: we have a lot of stuff to cover right a lot of stuff to cover billy i've got the list of all the cuts that the buccaneers have made today here on my computer per per pro football focus a shout out to them for that I've also got Twitter up just in case if there's anything that we miss because you never freaking know. But uh, Billy, there was a lot of crazy stuff that happened today. So I just kind of want to dive right in. We're going to do these in bunches of like five, I think is a fair way to cover this right. So the first five moves I want to talk about were quarterback Ryan Griffin was released from the team. Wide receiver Cyril Grayson was waived. Running back Patrick Laird was waived as well. Guard John Molshan. And then finally, wide receiver Devin Tompkins. Billy, these first five moves that the Buccaneers made, what are your thoughts on those? Because Grayson... He was waived, what was it, Monday, I believe, or, or maybe even earlier than that. But yeah, Grayson was the Chris, first yes. name of these guys that was waived. And then of course the other four names were waived or released today. What are your thoughts on this initial group of five here?
1: Uh first of all, shout out to john moshan right? Friend of the channel. Mm-hmm. Former mr mm-hmm. bucks Nation interviewee. Uh I think we all knew Patrick Laird probably wasn't gonna make the team, right? Very late signee, came on in the middle of camp. Um Definitely didn't expect. The odds were stacked against him, to say the least. Uh, with Ryan Griffin, I mean, the most tenured quarterback in Bucks history. Disappointing we didn't get to see the preseason superstar light it up this year. Um, but I'm sure he will return to practice squad in classic Ryan Griffin fashion. Nobody holds a clipboard quite like Ryan Griffin. Um, and the one that I think is the most disappointing for me, and I know you mentioned it. he was cut a while ago or waived a while ago, and he had the injury designation with Cyril Grayson. I, I have grown, you know. Cyril Grayson has come a long way in my heart ever since the ball jointed off his head. I believe he was against the San Diego Chargers in twenty twenty. He's he's grown on me in his time with the Bucks, and I have positive memories of Seal Grayson. So to see him go um, so early too was kind of a surprise.
0: Yeah, you know, and and real quick, Billy, um, I'm going to address something in the uh, chat here. Somebody said your audio is a little bit off, but. Um... Wow. While you work on that, let me go ahead and talk about some of the points that you made here regarding some of these cuts. So first in the case of Ryan Griffin, this was a foregone conclusion, right? Ryan Griffin, he was not long for this team. You know, obviously with Blaine Gabbert, Kyle Trask getting all that work. Ryan Griffin, he's going to be a guy who is on the practice squad who gets elevated if they absolutely need him. But given all the depth, at the quarterback position, yeah, Ryan Griffin wasn't going to make this team, folks. I know that he has a lot of fans out there, you know, understandably so. Again, one of the most long-tenured players in Buccaneers history at this point. But, again, Ryan Griffin <laughs> Ryan Griffin is one of the more understandable ones uh, in that instance. But Cyril Grayson, like you said, uh, Cyril Grayson is one of those guys who I thought was he- more heavily in the mix, right, for this fifth sixth seventh wide receiver spot we'll talk about that a little bit but i i thought that grayson was going to be one of those guys who was going to be battling definitely more more so for that spot right but was not the case uh he was one of the the first kind of guys that was cut so that was a little surprising maybe they'll bring him back at the practice squad in some capacity we'll have to wait and see on that for patrick laird he was a guy that was brought in late actually one interesting thing to make note of when I interviewed Rashad White here on the channel he actually talked about his experience with Patrick Laird in the rookie minicamp and how Patrick Laird was kind of teaching him a few things about picking up the speed of the NFL which I thought was kind of interesting I think I think speaks a little bit more to Patrick Laird as just kind of a player more than anything as well as just a human being he could be an interesting guy kind of like a Kenyon Barner type role where he's just kind of that guy who's on the practice squad maybe a guy you call up in certain situations But I think he may have some type of role in the practice squad moving forward. Similar thing can be said with guys like John Mulchon and Devin Tompkins. Both guys that weren't surprising didn't make the 53-man cut there, Billy. But I also think could be developmental guys moving forward. John Molshan, like you said, friend of the channel, he's been developing for the past couple of years, right? As a guard, as a center, he has been very versatile And the Buccaneers. Coaching staff likes that in their offensive linemen. I could see his role continuing moving forward. Could he also maybe sign with another team's practice squad just because of that idea of possibly growing a little bit like Not impatient, but just seeing what other opportunities are out there for him. That's a distinct possibility. We actually saw a similar situation like that, Billy, with Tanner Hudson, who just made the Giants' 53-man roster, by the way. So... Who knows? Obviously, the Buccaneers would like to keep John Mulshawn on their practice squad, but he could also end end up somewhere else, I guess I should say. Similar thing can be said for Devin Tompkins as well. Uh, This is a guy that had a lot of fans throughout the entire process, one of the more highly touted undrafted free agents that the Buccaneers had in this process. Uh, Did he lead college football in receiving yards? He was number one or number two. I know Jareth Stearns was the other guy who was high up there, and we'll talk about him in a moment, but... A lot of people were actually calling for Tompkins to make the 53-man roster over guys like Scotty Miller or Brashad Perriman or Jalen Darden, which we'll talk about those guys definitely in a little bit as well. But Tompkins is another one of those young wide receivers who's a victim of circumstance. The Buccaneers have a very deep wide receiver room. It is what it is at this point, right? Like, it's it's just a good group of guys. So Devin, Devin Tompkins was a victim of circumstance in this instance, and he could be a candidate for the practice squad. I know I'm going to be saying that about a lot of these guys, not a lot, but a handful of these guys, thankfully with the expansion of practice squads, um, it is, you know, the team's benefit that they can hopefully keep a lot of these guys around, but it also wouldn't surprise me at all. If Devin Tompkins latched on with another team's practice squad as well, Billy, but uh, with that being said, uh, do you have any kind of closing thoughts on this smaller group before we dive into the next one?
1: Yeah, no, and maybe I could help transition a little bit. Tompkins, like, I feel like a lot of our depth receivers are all of a similar build, right? They're all smaller guys. Stearns, Geiger, and Tompkins are all kind of smaller guys, but they all kind of flashed some, uh, some ability in the preseason. They all made plays, so it is, you know, to see all three of them fall by the wayside definitely a little
0: disappointing yeah for sure and that kind of ties into the next group like you said it's a little bit of a segue here uh in the next group we have wide receiver Kalen Geiger we have undrafted wide receiver Jareth Stearns recent 2022 seventh round draft pick edge defender out of LSU Andre Anthony was waived Billy bug howard was waived i believe yesterday or on monday or a couple of days ago and then also safety troy warner was waived as well billy your thoughts on this next group of five in terms of the players that were waived
1: yeah i would stick with i thought out of the i'm just i think there's a chance that geiger i'm hung up on geiger i feel like one of those receivers i thought one of those smaller, you know, I seem like whenever Kyle Trash was in the game, all of our receivers were like 5'8", 5'9", 5'7", and under, and I thought one of those guys would definitely make it. They all had moments where you looked and you're like, yeah, okay, they seem like they might actually belong, especially, and I don't want to jump the gun and get too far ahead, but especially you saw, not Stearns, but you saw uh, return potential out of some of them, and I don't know how good I feel about our current return situation, but... That might be a teaser for what we we'll talk about a little
0: bit later. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm sure we 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 will obviously we obviously will talk about the the uh, returning situation here in a moment. But to kind of just kind of piggyback off what you said, Kalen Geiger, Jarrett Stearns, those are two guys that again also had a lot of fans with Devin Tompkins. That trio of undrafted wide receivers I thought had a lot of supporters, you know, in the Buccaneers fan base and whatnot. For sure, for sure, had a lot of. Uh, you know, fans for them. Unfortunately, you know, neither one of the three made this 53-man roster. All showcased some pretty good things. All three probably made a pretty decent case to make this 53-man roster, but for one reason or another, uh, they didn't get in that mix. In the case of edge defender Andre Anthony, this was an interesting one because, you know, Billy, as I'm sure you saw throughout the preseason, Andre Anthony looked pretty good. He actually had two sacks throughout the preseason, which was not bad at all. Very good numbers, very good stats, but much like what we've said in, you know, other much like what we've said in other circumstances, you know, Andre Anthony was a victim of circumstance. He was a guy that, you know, just was dealing with a really, really deep um, or a really, really deep edge defender group, essentially. Right. So that that is what that is regarding that situation. Um, There was really nothing that could be done about that. Then in the case of Bug Howard, uh, that one was pretty much foregone conclusion that Bug Howard wasn't going to be long for uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster. And then similar things can be said in the case of Troy Warner. Both those guys, solid players. Maybe they'll have some type of role somewhere down the line, but doesn't seem like it'll probably be with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Billy. But the next group I want to mention here real quick involves wide receiver Vincent Smith, guard Sidarius Hutcherson, cornerback Kyler McMichael, Safety Chris Cooper and linebacker Jarnard Avery. I have one guy that was technically supposed to be at this section of the list, Billy, but I'm I'm going to save him for the final section of the list, which I, I deem is the most uh, surprising uh, grouping of guys there. So, what are your thoughts on this group? Kind of a kind of a more lackluster group of guys, of of a of, uh, more name recognition people, I imagine, right?
1: I think you absolutely nailed it with the term lackluster. I don't mm. think anybody would be overly surprised to see these guys leave. Janard Avery, also a late signing. I was actually thinking maybe he had a shot to make it, considering how late they went out and made the move to go grab him. It was right after we picked up Carl, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, I mean, outside of that, McMichael, you yeah, know, I, I wasn't n- – none of those guys, to me, jumped off the screen. The most significant thing I remember Hutchinson doing was in the last game, he got called for a holding penalty, and I believe he uh, waved it off in disgust. I remember speaking, he was like ah. – and I'm like, well, you know, to you then, you know, like don't <laughs> hold, bro. Um, so definitely no one in that group that I would find overly surprising. I would consider the receivers, Tompkins, Geiger, Stearns, more surprising than any of those guys um, to me in terms of not making it.
0: Yeah, I think, I think firstly, you know, in the case of, Bug Howard, I mean, you know, I, I I like Bug Howard personally, but he wasn't a guy who was going to be longed for this roster. It is what it is. Um Troy Warner, again, he's kind of more of an interesting guy. He has a history with the Buccaneers, right? Uh he he's been on the practice squad for the in- good portion of last year. He can be a guy that may be in that mix. You know, at some point throughout the year, so we'll definitely have to keep an eye on him and and kind of how he progresses and and things along those lines. Then in the case of, you know, certain guys like Vincent Smith, Darius Hutcherson, Kyler McMichael, um, these guys aren't necessarily, you know, Chris Cooper. Interesting (laughs) developmental guys, but really guys who didn't do a ton, right? Didn't do a ton throughout training camp, throughout preseason. Kyler McMichael had a very up and down, preseason training camp and whatnot. Sidious Hutcherson was very quiet along the offensive line, I thought. Um, was very, very quiet along the offensive line, I thought. Uh, and then a similar thing could be said in the case of Chris Cooper, who who was more quiet than normal, I feel like, throughout this process. I, I think that, you know, he had some good things going for him. But again, just a really deep safety room. There just wasn't too, too much room for him. Um, but I, I do want to kind of focus on jenard Avery for a second here Billy. avery Avery's an interesting guy. Uh you know, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles was then released or then I believe he eventually joined the Pittsburgh Steelers and then was released Steelers. by yeah. the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um and one thing that I thought was interesting was the Buccaneers media had basically already kind of said like yeah, he's probably going to make the 53 man roster and the Steelers media was very surprised that jenard Avery was cut. So I I was personally a little bit surprised that um you know Avery did not make this initial 53 man roster not to say he can't be brought back i think that is definitely a strong possibility and we may talk about some things here uh in a little bit but um Gennard Avery was an interesting one to me i feel like he's going to provide some good special teams play and some good edge rusher depth they decide to keep five edge rushing linebackers what are your thoughts on um Avery and what he was able to do for them
1: yeah, like I said, I mean, obviously limited opportunity coming in late, but I did think that there was a better than decent chance he would make it because rarely do you see a team, I feel like, sign a, a veteran guy deep in camp and they don't make it. You know, so like you kind of thought that they obviously saw there was a need there and he still couldn't make it. So that was surprising. And like you said, the Steelers, the reaction of the Steelers media as well. I It's it's interesting, but I, I don't. Am I upset that he's gone? You know, uh, do do I feel like it's it's gonna hurt the team? I, I our special teams coverage is to t- to take your word, James, lackluster. So what would his contributions uh, helped? Couldn't have hurt.
0: Yeah, couldn't have. yeah, for sure. I I think that I think that um, you know, definitely special teams play is gonna matter for some of these these backup guys, right? I feel I feel like that's going to matter in a huge, huge way, how some of these backup guys do and perform. Um, and, you know, Jernard Avery was one of those guys, so we'll just kind of have to wait and see um, what his role is moving forward, whether or not he will be one of those guys that's, you know, in, in that equation moving forward in terms of special teams play. But, Billy, uh, next kind of li- chunk of the list I want to go to here, and this is the big one, right? I've been saving this part. This is, this is the big part of the list. You have... Wide receiver Tyler Johnson, safety Nolan Turner, kicker Jose Borregales, defensive lineman Benning-Pote, and defensive back Logan Ryan. And this wasn't included in this part of the list here, but also linebacker Grant Stewart was traded from the Bucks to the Indianapolis Colts and a seventh-round draft pick in 2023 as well for a Colts. 2023 sixth round draft pick so your your thoughts on this bigger list of moves that were made first let's kind of talk about the trade real quick what do you think about grant stewart and him getting traded to the indianapolis colts and uh ola kunle fadakasi making the 53 man roster at this point
1: disappointed um it's it was it was cool to have a mr irrelevant on our team we may never live to see another Mr. Irrelevant come to the Bucks. Right. So I know, but that's not our Mr. Irrelevant, James. That's a that's a OG Mr. Irrelevant that we snatched. Um, I understand it though, because I actually think Fadakasi played really well in his time. If you like, he just felt like he flew around the field and just made a ton of tackles. So I could see why you would. I understand it, but it's disappointing because I felt like Grant Stewart was one of the only people who actually seemed to take pride in playing special teams. Like it, it, I'm not saying he was great or amazing or, Oh my gosh, what will we do without him? But he was energetic and played special teams. The way you would want to see someone play special teams. He seemed to love playing special teams, which I don't think enough people in the books. I mean, we don't look like we enjoy playing special teams that much. So it was nice to see a guy out there with some enthusiasm and some life Covering kicks and running down on punts, blowing people up, um, and uh, you know, yeah, that great commercial for Uber Eats. I'm a big Uber Eats fan. I enjoyed that commercial. Fantastic hair by Grant Stewart, and we didn't really get. It's not like we traded him for a ton, right? We gave up Grant Stewart in a seven to get a six, if I'm not mistaken. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not like we got a haul back for him. If we would have traded him for a guard, maybe. You know, I, I would have put a little bit different tone. But to me, it's kind of like, you know, I'm disappointed. I do miss Grant Stewart.
0: You know, I'm a little bit biased, right? Some may say this, but Grant Stewart, another friend of the channel, somebody that we got to interview on here. Um, I actually had to pull over uh, into a, a Greek restaurant whenever I had gotten the news that I was actually on the phone with Evan Wanish of the Cannon Fire podcast, highly of mine at BucksNation.com, and I was on the phone with him. And he said, oh, man. Well, first thing he said was Tyler Johnson got cut, and I went, oh, my gosh. And then two seconds later, he goes, oh, yeah, and Grant Stewart got traded. I went, what? And then I immediately had to pull over and record a couple of videos uh, for the channel today. And my immediate reaction was I thought it was for an offensive lineman, a backup O-lineman, because the Colts, they've always had pretty good offensive line depth. I thought that that was going to be a situation, you know, and it would make sense, right? You trade Grant Stewart, good special teams guy, for a backup offensive lineman. It addresses a need, but it was just a, a trade up in the twenty twenty three draft, uh, which leads me to believe that Grant Stewart wasn't going to make this roster. You know, he because right. we've seen we've seen this all around the league so far today, where guys who would have been cut anyway get traded uh, to teams who probably wouldn't have been able to get the guy on waivers. So that's the situation here. And it is disappointing. I've talked about it before. Grant Stewart, I think he is a, a special teams ace for this team. Might have even been a team captain for special teams play. Um, if if enough opportunity was there for Stewart. But like you mentioned, Ola Kunle, Fatakasi. He showed up in this preseason and Grant Stewart, he was yeah. dealing with injuries. That was to his detriment and Fadakasi ended up beating him out for that last roster spot, which is really unfortunate. I wish nothing but the best for Stewart in Indianapolis. You know, hey, the Bucks don't have to play him, so that's a good thing. I, hopefully he can thrive over there in Indy. He's going to be a part of a great group over there, so I wish him nothing but the best. You don't mind, you know, trading up a 7th to a 6th. That's fine, I feel like. It is what it is. Um, that's not bad at all. But like you said, Billy, yeah, Grant Stewart would be missed. In my opinion, I would have just kept all five linebackers instead of seven wide receivers, which again, we'll talk about that in a moment. But another thing we need to talk about here, Billy, is uh, Tyler Johnson, which is, uh, you know, a lot of people saying in the chat, th- this will also be uploaded as a uh, podcast to BucksNation.com, Billy. And uh, a lot of people uh, obviously won't be able to read the chat. But Billy, Bucks fans are really upset about the Tyler Johnson Cut. I mean, I think surprised is also another word that you can use. What are your thoughts on the Tyler Johnson cut? Shocked.
1: Shocked. I we had spoke about this earlier in the, in the offseason, earlier in camp. We obviously we knew the receivers that battle, you know, was going to be something that to to watch, and we had talked about you know who do we pencil in, who do we think is going to make it, and the top four. Okay, got those to decide, especially right into Cobb. Got those to decide. Um, but then in that next kind of tier, you know, you're looking at Perriman, you're looking at Scotty, you're looking at Tyler Johnson, Cyril Grayson, and you're like, oh, you know, I don't know. Tyler Johnson seemed like out of that bunch, the most likely to not even be worried. Seemed like he was, yeah, Tyler Johnson will make it for sure. Um, and then as you watched him through the preseason, he easily was the most productive of that group in the preseason. He had – Not a game went by where Tyler Johnson didn't contribute. Um, Now, Tyler Johnson, I feel like he really splashed on the scene as a rookie, you know, deep down the depth chart, but sneakily made some plays. Um, Then, you know, you look last year, I felt like he had some inconsistencies, right? You heard about him coming into camp, a little questionable last year, and then he did have some drops throughout the season, and it felt like, okay, maybe he's not ready to step up and be that guy. But then you heard the flip side of that, this year, he came into camp with a different mentality, and you saw in the preseason, you know, Tyler Johnson looked like about as good as you would want a fifth-string receiver to look. I mean, I don't know what the expectation is for a, a guy that far down the depth chart, but Tyler Johnson made plays in the preseason. So, to me, to see a guy like him not make it makes me feel like I don't know what – what was this the standard? What was the expectation? Because Tyler Johnson is not you know, a second-round draft pick or a third-round draft pick competing to be the third-string receiver. He's deep down the depth chart and was still able to go out there and have impact consistently. So, I don't know. It's shocking to me. And I, I never would have thought out of that group of people that he would be just the first to go.
0: One thing, I, one thing I do want to make a note of here is um, Greg Almond on Twitter had spoke about this from the athletic where he had said, you know, one reason Tyler Johnson may not have been, um, may not have been in the equation, you know, at the, the end of the wide receiver depth is because of lack of special teams play. Uh, and in my opinion, I, I do get what he's talking about. And, you know, the, you talked about the expectation for backup wide receivers, right? And, and, I, it's got to be special teams play, right? Like that's what you want guys that far on the depth chart to be able to sure. contribute. Um, sure. And again, we will talk about it whenever we talk about some of the guys who did make this 53-man roster, Billy. But uh Tyler Johnson, you know, he wasn't a punt gunner. Or if he was, you know, it wasn't for very long. He wasn't a returner. He wasn't really anything along those lines. Um But I disagree with that notion that that's the only thing that, you know, one of these backup receivers can contribute. Uh, I think that Tyler Johnson was a good fifth wide receiver for this team. He's a guy, especially with all the injuries that this team had sustained at the wide receiver position last year. He's a fill-in guy that can come in, get you through a game, and and still provide you some really solid snaps and some good reps. You know, a lot of people um, still remember that catch that he had against the Saints to really help put them over the edge and kind of ice that game. Um, Don't forget, too, James, that
1: is, like, obviously, I think, one of his most memorable plays as the Buck. The very next week, Tyler Johnson's the person who drew the pass interference penalty, the infamous P.I. against the Packers that ultimately sent us to the Super Bowl. That was a ball thrown to Tyler Johnson with Kevin King's tugging on his jersey. So, you know, it's just surprising to see a guy who's been in that stage and been relevant for the Bucks in that stage. Just, you say goodbye to him. Yeah,
0: yeah, you know, and, and, and we'll talk about more about the wide receivers who did make it, you know, because there, there's a lot to unpack with just the wide receiver room alone. But to kind of put a bow on it, you know, this was probably one of the probably more, most surprising move of the entire thing. Like you said, I thought Tyler Johnson was a lock to make this roster as the fifth wide receiver, given how his preseason had went, how the training camp had went. I know some people are going to point to the drop. Uh, in the last preseason game, whenever he caught a pass from Tom Brady, Billy, I talked to you about this before we got on here. The fact that Tyler Johnson was playing with Tom Brady at all should have been a good indication that he was going to yeah. make this fifty-three man roster um, yeah. over some of the other wide receivers that that are on this roster still. So he did also he did also have a drop, I think,
1: in week two of the preseason, if I'm not mistaken. I think he had a third down drop, and then it came right back to him on fourth down, and he got the conversion which is a lot of what Tyler Johnson showed last year, just that kind of inconsistency. He drops, to me, he drops the easy ones, but makes the hard catches. So, But I don't think that that's enough to cut a guy who's so far down the depth chart. I mean, yeah, if that's your starting receiver, it's like, well, that's concerning. You know, he's dropping balls that he should catch. When you're talking about a guy who's the fifth string receiver, yeah, like, you, cut, you have imperfections. You're going to have flaws when you get that far down the depth chart. So if the guy can make a crazy catch consistently but occasionally is going to drop us slants it's like well you could look the other way on that you know in in my mind
0: yeah so i i think that you know to kind of put a bow on my point here which hello to everybody in the chat by the way who are watching this on youtube and if you guys are enjoying this live stream hey go ahead and hit the like button that'd be greatly appreciated as well but Uh, You know, kind of put a bow on the Tyler Johnson take, Billy. It is pretty surprising. It's not what I would have done personally, and I I do think it's a questionable move. For everybody who's saying this on YouTube, Tyler Johnson's going to end up with another team pretty darn quickly. Would not surprise me if the Lions got him and kind of put him into that mix or some other team that needs a wide receiver picks up.
1: Think uh, about uh, a team like the Ravens. He could be like their number two receiver, number three receiver. And I think he would be like... But they would be gobsmacked at how good he is and the fact that we let him go. Like, he's, he would make plays for another team. And that's the thing that I think is so jarring about it is he's a proven playmaker, which is hard to find, you know? So, like, and, and it just kind of walked away from that for, you know, according to the, the report that you did, I think it was a tweet, the tweet you referenced for special teams, which, yeah. you know, we don't have any special teams to begin with. So you let a playmaker go... To maintain a bad special teams unit i
0: i don't that's a head-scratcher for me yeah and so and, know. and just to kind of move on from that now billy some other guys that were part of this last group we're talking about speaking of special teams kicker jose borigales safety nolan turner which firstly in the case of kicker jose borigales billy he didn't win the kicking battle against ryan suck up uh you know in my opinion which a lot of people gave me flack for um not a lot of people but some people gave me flack for uh when he missed that game winner against the miami dolphins oh yeah i thought the kicking battle was over he didn't he, make, he didn't make a 52 yarder against the indianapolis colts i believe and then after that the writing was on the wall but yeah. um in the case of jose Borgales, he's a guy that i'm sure the buccaneers would love to have back on their practice squad billy just don't know if that's necessarily going to be an option Um, And then in the case of Nolan Turner, and then um, Benning-Pote a little bit as well, Benning-Pote, backup defensive lineman, has had some bright moments, but still a developmental kind of raw defensive lineman at the end of the day. In the case of Nolan Turner, this is a guy that I really thought had a shot as a fifth safety. Guy who was a special teams captain at Clemson, actually looked pretty decent as a backup safety and was hopefully going to give you some special teams play somewhere down the line, Billy, what are your thoughts on Benning Pote, Jose Borgales and Nolan Turner, not making this 53 man roster before we get to another big name that was released uh, today as well. My main thought on Pote is I want to give you a shout out for
1: just pronouncing that name correctly. That's a job. Well done.
0: I don't think it's right at all, but you know what? That's
1: okay. Uh, <laughs> that's just how I, off.
0: that's just how I say it. <laughs>
1: Uh, with Nolan, I was I was surprised because he played I think just to the naked eye. I don't have the statistical snap count breakdown, but I think he played more defensive snaps than anybody. He and every single game was always on the field. Um, and it's surprising to see a guy get that much opportunity. And you know I didn't see not necessarily so he like he flashed and made a ton of plays, but he also didn't get burnt or seem out of position or have a ton of negative plays either. Um, and again, you referenced special teams captain at Clemson, but What is special teams in Tampa Bay? As far as Jose Borgales, I think you're exactly right. Once he missed that kick, I remember Rondé Barber on the the broadcast, uh, that whole game was talking about how he was boasting that he could kick a 70-yard field goal. And it's like, well, that's great. But when push came to shove, you couldn't kick the game winner. And ultimately, that's we don't need you to kick 70 yards. We need you to kick like 50 and less when the game's on the line. And, you sh- and he shined it hard, James. Like, he, it was an ugly kick. And I agree with you. The second he missed that kick, it's like, what, what are we doing? Brian Suckup is a proven veteran clutch kicker. He kicked all the way through the postseason for the Bucks without missing a single kick, hit a 52-yarder in the Super Bowl. What, what are we doing? Like, what, what? there's no point.
0: And I want to make an important note here for Borregales because I know some people have countered and said, well, Suckup can't kick 50-plus yarders. That's fine you know, Borogales has a more powerful leg than Suckup, right? But with Suckup, sure. he's more accurate. And that's what's more important here. Uh, sure. Jose Borogales can kick 50 plus yarders some of the time, you know, but he didn't kick a game winner in a clutch time situation. He didn't kick a 52 yarder and, and it is tougher to kick 50 plus yard field goals. That's for sure. But I think Bruce Arians put it best when he said, Hey, I want a guy who can make it you know, 40 and under all the time, automatic, you know, or 45 and under all the time, automatic. That's the kind of kickers that you want, man, Um, in my opinion, you know, in in my opinion.
1: Can I jump in? This feels like a curse word in Tampa Bay Buccaneers history, but Matt Gay can kick it really far too. I remember Matt Gay kicking a 59-yard field goal, and I also remember Matt Gay missing a chip shot to win us the game against the Giants. I would much rather have the kicker who's not flashy but is dependable. Than the guy who has the ability to blow me away and also break my heart. You know, and like it, we've had so many kicker issues. Ryan Suckup has been the only thing to soothe those nerves when a kicker goes to kick. I'm not. Why are we gonna stir the, you know, why are we gonna mess
0: with it? Right. And, and I think too, you know, you gotta go with the established veteran who's been in situations before. Suck ups won a Super Bowl with the team now as a clutch kicker, making all of his kicks during that Super Bowl run. You gotta go with Suck Up in these situations. You know, you just you just have to. Um, and I, I think that's really the only way to look at it. Jose Borgales, not a bad kicker. May end up on a different team somewhere down the line, but um, you know or may end up on the buccaneers practice squad but i don't think he's ready quite quite yet you know like i said once he gets more like automatic from 45 and under then i you know and is able to hit game winners and things along those lines that's where you kind of look at those situations and go okay that looks good you know kicking 50 yarders is a nice plus but if you're missing half of them then what are we doing (laughs) you know that's that's kind of my question there but Billy, the the last move I want to talk about here before we get into some cuts around the league, as well as some of the people who did make the Buccaneers roster is I want to talk about Logan Ryan. And this is a situation that I know a lot of people are. uh, What's the word hesitant about right because right now, the expectation is that Ryan Jensen, he is technically counting on the Bucks' 53-man roster. Come tomorrow, though, Jensen will be placed on the injured reserve, so he has a chance to come back later on in the season. If he was placed on the injured reserve today, um, he would be out for the entirety of the season. If it's tomorrow, okay, the Buccaneers can bring him back later in the year. They got rid of Logan Ryan today because Ryan Jensen's still here. The expectation is that they will bring him back tomorrow. Thoughts on that situation? I'm not mad at it. I was surprised to see him get cut, but then once I heard the explanation of
1: why he got cut, and all it made sense to me. I am, I guess, the best news out of it is to hear that Ryan Jensen. Well, I'm, I, there's just I've never seen an injury with like so much, uh, so cloudy, so murky. You know, they just don't release a lot of information about what's going on with Jensen. Um, but it is nice to hear that they're feeling like there's a chance that he'll come back at some point. Um this year. Hopefully it's not quite like a Vita Vay uh Vita Vaya situation from a couple years ago where he couldn't come back literally until the NFC Championship game. Uh, hopefully he could come back sooner. I think obviously Jensen is a colossal loss. Um, appreciate Logan Ryan being a pal. Um, but if that's what the Buccaneers have to do to make sure that there's a chance that Ryan Jensen can come back, then I'm glad to hear that they think that there's a potential opportunity that he would be able to midway through the season or later on in the season be able to get back out there.
0: Yeah, I think that, again, like, obviously there's some level of risk involved in that, because you got to ask the question, what if Logan Ryan doesn't want to come back? Of course he will probably want to come back. But, um, you know, like you said, I was I was a little surprised that they opted to do that rather than, say, get rid of a wide receiver or something along those lines. Uh, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But, um, you know, it, it is it was a little bit of an interesting situation, but like I said, after it was explained like, Oh, he's going to come back after Ryan Jensen's place on the yeah. IR. It's okay. It's not really a big deal. Um, it is what it is. So all in all, Billy, in terms of the cuts, what were the most surprising ones to you? Cause for me, the grant Stewart trade, I thought was pretty surprising. The Tyler Johnson cut I thought was pretty darn surprising as well. Logan Ryan was the, had that initial surprise to it, but then things obviously got a little he's- bit, obviously a little bit better. Um but aside from that like that's kind of like Gennard Avery was a little surprising to me, maybe Andre Anthony, some of the wide receivers. Um kind of what what were the most surprising moments to you out of all these roster cuts? And really the, the moves period that the Bucks and made cuz I think keeping seven wide receivers was not something I thought
1: that they were actually going to end up doing there. The most surprising people who are no longer on the team. I think you capped it perfectly Grant Stewart uh, and Tyler Johnson. I really think if Grant Stewart doesn't pull his hamstring in the first game, I think he's probably still on the team because Fadakasi doesn't get the opportunity he got. And credit to him for taking that opportunity and really maximizing it. I think he made Grant Stewart look replaceable, um, which is a credit to him. It's a shame for Grant Stewart that you know an injury kind of snipes your opportunity and obviously tyler johnson that is shocking but the most shocking move and if i could again i'm trying to segue us here the most shocking move to me is actually the move that they didn't make um and i feel like you know wink wink nudge nudge you know where i'm going scotty miller being on the roster still is i would say it's jarring james I, i would use the term jarring